Our epistle reading is from Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will we not also be graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall spare us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor the things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Uh, dear gracious Father, we thank you that we have come again this morning to, uh, to worship you, uh, to be with you. Uh, as we come and to, to hear your word, uh, we are thankful that you are a God who speaks to us, uh, that you communicate, that you have loved us so much, that you have given us your rich and living and active word. And we pray this morning as we listen to your word again, may it refresh us, may it renew us, may it show us how wonderful and how powerful you are and how much we truly do need you. And we pray all this in your great and wonderful name. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Christchurch. Uh, my name is Tommy Park. If we have not met, I work with RUF. I work with college students. I'm a campus minister there. First, I just want to take a second and say thank you. This church loves us as a family, but also loves us as a ministry on the campus of UNF. This church as a whole and, and a bunch of you as community groups and congregational communities and families, you love us so well. So continue to, to pray for us. We are in the midst of what's it's called Summer B Term. We're on the campus right now as we talk. I'm one of those campus ministers who don't really get the summers off. We're excited that our group is growing and maturing, and we're excited what God is doing on the campus of UNF. On June 1st, I started my 13th year of serving and ministering college students. It's been a joy and a privilege to be part of some young adult's life during these years in college. And over the years, one way I've gotten to know my students is to ask them to create a playlist for me, to give me a list of their favorite songs, of things that would best describe them. When I started 13 years ago, they would hand me a, a thing called a CD. Um, today, they share it on a thing called Spotify. Um, and so I can listen to songs and learn a lot by a particular student. And this summer, what we've been listening to is Israel's playlist. These psalms here from 120 to 135 of the playlist that God has given to describe him to us, his people. Again, these are the psalms that were given to Israel for them to go on a journey each year. And they would listen to them. And each time they would listen to these and sing these, they would learn who their God is and learn who they were. And so this morning we have reached Psalm 124. And so what are we going to learn about our God 
as we look at this wonderful and amazing psalm. Last year, as a maturing adult, I did my first what's called a well check with my doctor. The nurse was getting all my information and my vitals, and he, he mentioned that he had some questions for me. And the first one he asked me was this, do you engage in hazardous work? And I said, yes. Uh, and he said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And he said, I don't mean that kind of hazardous work. The reality is, if we are Christians, we have a journey that's hazardous, filled with trials and troubles, and we need help. And this is what the psalm echoes to us. It reminds us that we do have a helper, the creator of heaven and earth. And so as we look at Psalm 124, we're going to see how David, who's the author of the psalm, is looking back to see how his God, his creator, his redeemer and Lord has intervened to save him, to rescue him, to redeem him. And so this morning, as we look at the psalm, as David has reflected to see how this God who intervenes has shaped him and who he is and what he's about, may us, as we look at this psalm, let this psalm shape us as well. And what can we learn? The psalm, though, it's, it's not about hazards, it's about help. The hazardness of life, of the Christian life, is not the subject of the psalm, but it's only the setting. The subject is help, that our help comes from the Lord. And this morning, we're going to look at the need of God's help, the power of God's help, and the gift of God's help. So first, the need of God's help, verses 2 through 5 or verses 1 through 5, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not had been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose against us, when they had, would have swallowed us up alive, when their anger was kindled against us, and then the flood would have swept us away, the torment would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. One of our favorite things to do as a family over the summer months is to jump on our couch and watch this thing called America Ninja Warrior. Um, watching these people go through these obstacle courses that are amazing. But the other thing that we enjoy about this show is watching the stories of these men and women who are about to take the obstacle course. Often they flash back to these men and women who are in desperate places, homeless, jobless, broken because of sin, by disease and sickness. And what you see over and over again in these stories is them in desperate need of help and someone coming to rescue them, someone to restore them. And this is what David is doing right here in the psalm. He's reflecting back. He's reflecting those times where he was in desperate need of big-time help and how God has come and reached back to rescue him. It's not clear here in the psalm, what part, exact part that David was thinking about as he was reflecting back of God being his help. And I think in a lot of ways that is actually more helpful to us. Because David, we can think that he was thinking about David and Goliath. He was thinking about being chased by Saul. He might even be thinking about the people of Israel being rescued by God with Exodus and Pharaoh. And we can even think about his own great spiritual battle within as we look at Psalm 51, as he reflects, he remembers that he's in desperate need, and God is faithful over and over again. 
And the question I have for you this morning is this. Have you ever looked back and reflect on a time in your life that you were in desperate need of help and that you received it? And you received it from the very hand of our creator, the God of heaven and earth. And the basic point here in this first part in verse 3 is that we're in desperate need of help. Verse 3, then they would have swallowed us up alive. Again, David is trying to show us or remind us that we cannot save ourselves. The first thing that David is showing us, reminding us, is that our God is our helper. That we cannot rescue ourselves. God did not come to give you an assist. God did not come just to help you get across. God came to make you alive, to redeem you, to save you, to make you one of his. In the story of God's people, we read, as we read the grand story of the Bible, we see over and over and over again, desperate people needing a God or someone to come and redeem them to save them. From the very beginning, we see that with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. We see that with Noah. We see it with Joseph. We see it with the people of Israel. And we see it here with David. That our God is one who comes and reaches down to a desperate people to rescue them, to redeem them, and to save them. And here David is reflecting on that reality that time and time again that we have a faithful, true God who comes and reaches down to help us, to save us, to redeem us. And what we need to do is we need to realize, to us to really understand that our God is our help, it does not happen in a vacuum. It does not happen apart from trouble, apart from trials. For you and for me to discover and to be shaped by the reality that our God is our help, it happens in the midst of trouble and trial. So the reality is that when trouble and trial comes, it helps you to discover the things about yourself that you did not know about yourself. So we see first this morning, for us to be shaped by this great truth that God is our help, we need to discover that we're in desperate need of him. So first, we need God's help. Second, we see the power of God's help in verses 6 through 7. Again, listen to verses 6 and 7. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from a snare of flowers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. In this psalm, the helplessness of God's people is mirrored by the very power of our God. The power of a God who overcomes and overpowers desperate people. That our God comes in with his power and with his might to rescue us. The power of God reaches into all areas of our life to restore us, to make us whole, to make us live again, to free us. And here the power of God reaches all types of situations. And again here, David is reflecting on that reality of a God who intercedes, a God who has the power to truly save us and redeem us. Have you, have you ever really reflected on that wonder? That we have a God who has the power to save us. How have you seen the very power of God in your life? Have you ever seen the very power of God coming into your life to save and to redeem you? Has there been a time in your life that you have felt trapped, powerless, 
and that God, the creator of heaven and earth, came and redeemed you, that he reached down in an impossible situation to put the pieces back together, that God, the creator of the universe, came and rescued you. See, the main point that I want you to hear this morning is the first point is that you cannot save yourself. You are helpless. But it is not really good news if that's all we have. The good news of the gospel is that we have a, a God where salvation belongs to him. That he is the one who reaches down and saves us and redeems us. And David is trying to remind us that this morning. That only God, the same God that created everything, he spoke and there it was. The same God that we read in Colossians 1 who's holding all things together. And the same God that we read in Revelation 21 who will come and make all things right. It's the God who has the power to save us and redeem us. And we see that here in these verses. All throughout the psalm, you see that these pictures. Over and over again, Dave is giving us these pictures of impossibility, of being rescued, of being washed away, to be swallowed alive, to be trapped. And all these pictures were pictures that you were doomed for. There was no sense to being rescued from. The water was filling up. You were trapped in the snare, and there's no way out. A couple years ago, we had a, a little armadillo living underneath our AC unit. And so I had the great privilege of trapping him with a, a live cage with birdseed. That's the only thing I had on hand, and it worked. And he was trapped. There was nowhere for him to go. I was not going to put that thing in my minivan. And so he sat in my backyard for like four days until I got a truck to move him. There was no way out. He was in a snare. He was trapped. Just like here in this image, we often are trapped by the power of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And there's no way out. The only way out is for our God, the creator, our redeemer, our king, our father up in heaven to come and reach down and to intervene to save us. Again, Think of the biblical story. We've seen this over and over again. Think about Daniel and the lion's den, the exodus. Impossible situations. And the only way that those people got out was God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, reached down and did the impossible to save and redeem his people. So we see that we're in desperate need and that we see we have a God who is full of power and might to save us. And the question is, how do we rightly respond in recognizing God's power to save us? We see that in verse 6. Blessed by the name of the Lord. In other words, some of your translation might be praise the Lord. When we see that God's power is the one who saves us and who redeems us, what we should do, what we, our proper response is to rejoice, is to praise him, to rejoice in what God has done to look for joy in our life. An author, a guy named Samuel Rutherford, once said, Rejoicing in the Bible is much of a command as repenting. We need to be people who rejoice as much as we do as repenting. As Presbyterians, we are easy to move quickly towards repenting. But we need to go to that places in our hearts that brings joy, that we praise for what the Lord has done in our lives, that we praise the very power of his name. 
so far this morning, we've seen that we're in need of God's help, and we see the very power of God's help. And lastly, this morning, we're going to see the gift of God's help. Again, look at verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Chuck mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Calvin used this verse every Sunday morning in his liturgy, that he would call the people to worship with this verse, our help is in the name of the Lord. Calvin knew, and we know deep down in our hearts, that we need to be reminded of this reality, that our help does not come from our own strength, our own ability, only from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Verse 8 is a confession of faith. It's a discovery that Daniel discovered God is his help, and he confessed it. I mean, think about it. The same God who pulled the universe into order and made it beautiful is the same God who's personally involved in your life, who is with you, who is for you, who will never leave you or forsake you. The same God who has made all things, the beach, the mountains, the wonders of this earth, is the same God who is with you. And who is for you? He's with our local troubles, and he's with us as his people. And so what is the gift that God gives? If I could put it in one word, it would be that of insurance, of confidence. That here, David gives a confession of live faith, that our help is in the name of the Lord, that our God is the one who gives assurance and confidence, that our God is with us and for us. That's the gift. That our God, the God who is with us and who is for us, as we live in a world of uncertainty, of uninsurance, that he is the one who comes in the midst of our troubles and our trials, in the midst of the times that we feel trapped and overwhelmed, is that he gives us assurance. He gives us confidence that he is truly with us. And how can we be assured of this? As we saw in Romans 8. We can be sure of this because our God, the creator, sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live for us, to die for us, to be buried for us, to, to be raised again for us, to be seated at the right hand for us so he would intercede for us, so that he would be our prophet, priest, and king, that he would never over and over again remind us that he is always with us. And as we see that the wonder of the very person and work of Jesus, we can come and we can sing songs like this. When I fear, my faith will fail. Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. We need to remember that our Savior and our Redeemer, our Jesus, fights for us. That when we cry out, when life gets tough and we feel under attack of the world that we live in, the flesh of our own body and, the, and the, the spiritual battle of the devil, that our Jesus aims to put all those things under his feet. That he is the one who fights for us. That he is the one who intercedes for us. That he is the one who is with us and who will deliver us. Jesus is the one who shows up with his blood-stained garments 
who has battled for us, for our foes, and even for our sins, and that he is the victor. He is our redeemer and savior and the friend, that he is the one who has defeated death in our behalf. And so that we know that we can make it through life's troubles because the Christian life is a fight. It's hazardous work. We're in a constant battle, but the good news is that battle belongs to our Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. And the gift that he gives us is confidence, is assurance that he will never leave us or forsake us as we go through this life. As some of you know, Nikki and I have four kids, four years apart, so I'll be paying college forever. Um, and over those years, I've read a lot of board books over the years. And, and one of my favorites is a book called Going on a Bear Hunt. In this book, there's a refrain throughout the book. It says it over and over again. Throughout the book, there's these certain obstacles that you don't, wanna, you don't want to go through it. You would miss it if you could. But here's the refrain. Over and over again, it says in this book, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. We got to go through it. And that's what it looks like to live a life of faith. There's things in our life that we wish we could go over it. We wish we could go under it. But the reality is that because of our Savior and our Redeemer and our Creator and our friend, we have to go through it. And the good news of the gospel is that our Jesus, our Savior, our friend, went all the way through it for us. That he went all the way through it. He, he humbled himself. He took on flesh and he... He lived that life that we could not live, not even on our best day. He lived it. He took it. Took it all the way to the cross. And he paid that death. And he bared the cross on our behalf. So that we would know that our Lord, our Savior, and our friend is on our side. That he is truly with us. And so that we can discover that our help is in the name of the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. And we can also sing this song. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul. Your best, your heavenly friend through thorny ways leads a joyful end. So the good news this morning, as we continue to hear this, this playlist of God's redeem, that we know we have a God who is with us, who is our help, and who will never leave us or forsake us. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, again, we, uh, we are thankful that you are our creator, that you are the one who spoke and there it was, that you're the God who is ever with us and for us. And I pray this morning that we would look at the very troubles and trials of our life, those times where we feel trapped. And at the same time, we would look across and we would see the very power of our friend, our creator, our help. The reality is that we live in it. We live lives that are filled with trouble and trial. We're in desperate need of help. May we be reminded of the power of your name. May we praise you. 
And may we live with confidence because you are ever with us. The very creator of the heaven and earth is our help. And may we live with that confidence today and forevermore. Amen.